All right. Well, today we continue our series on the book of Colossians. And this small book can aid us immensely in our need of keeping Christ in focus. No matter what we're facing, no matter how we are doing, no matter how our daily lives might look. And so I believe that we will be tremendously blessed by studying this together. And last week, we saw many things that we have to be thankful to God for. He qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. He delivered us from the kingdom of darkness, transplanted us into the kingdom of his son, gave us redemption and gave us forgiveness for every sin, past, present, and future. And if that was all that our heavenly Father gave to us, that that would be enough. That would be amazing. But there's even more. There's even more. As Paul says in Romans 5, 9, he is the God of much more, much more. Last week, we, we zeroed in on what the Father has done for us through Christ. And this week, we will focus in on what Paul refers to as the preeminence of Christ. The preeminence of Christ. The dictionary definition of preeminence is the fact of surpassing all or simply superiority. Superiority. In other words, today we will see that Christ is superior above all else. So let's jump right in. Verse 15, Colossians 1, verse 15. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Image here does not just mean that Christ looks like the Father in a physical sense, or that he is merely a, a picture of him. It comes from the Greek word icon, icon, and it literally means likeness, likeness. So in essence, Jesus is the image or likeness of the Father. And this is why during his earthly ministry, Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you have seen me, You've seen the Father. And it's why I like to say there is a God and he looks like Jesus. There is a God and he looks like Jesus. Now, all the people that interacted with Jesus at that time, they got to see and experience the very image of God. How cool is that? Yet a lot of people missed it. A lot of people missed it. And I think that there might be times where we do too. Let us not get so comfortable with this truth that we lose the sense of awe and wonder at Jesus being the very image of God. Don't forget about the supremacy of Jesus. And before we move on from this verse, I think that we, we, we need to say something about that word up there, firstborn. Firstborn. You may know that there are a number of cults that believe that Jesus is a created being, 
that Jesus is not truly God. And some of those beliefs stem from this verse. But if we look at the original Greek, the word that is used here, I'm not sure that firstborn is the best translation. The word is prototokos, prototokos. And it literally means unique or premier, unique or premier. And that word that comes after it, of, in the original Greek, that word isn't there. It might be implied, but the actual word doesn't appear. And so if we were to read this literally, it may be read as the premier all creation. The premier all creation. Jesus is the head over everything. Everything. The supreme one. The one with which out nothing would exist. Nothing would exist. And so Paul, he expands on this. Verse 16. For by him all things were created. And also, just, just take note in your mind as we go through this. We've already seen one. We're seeing it again. How many times does Paul use the word all? All. He uses it a, a, a good bit. It's, it's one of Paul's favorite words when talking about the, the preeminence of Christ. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So clearly, Jesus could not be a created being if he was the one who created all things. And the wording of this verse, it, it gets my mind going. It gets my imagination going. And it gets me thinking about the vastness of space. The vastness of space. I don't know if, if y'all have been keeping up with the images taken by the James Webb Telescope over the past year, but they are absolutely breathtaking, spellbinding. This is one of my favorites. This is not a computer-generated image. This is an image taken by this telescope of galaxy cluster SMACS 0723. I think they could come up with a nicer name. But when you realize how many of these galaxies are out there, um, it, it, it helps them keep things organized. But it's also known as Webb's first deep field. And as you can see here, there is rich detail there. Rich detail. It shows thousands of galaxies many of which have never been seen before by the human eye. Again, those bright spots there, those are not stars. Those are galaxies that themselves are full of thousands and millions of stars. Our, our minds can't even grasp. They can't, they can't fully comprehend the enormity of this. And the same God who spoke all of these galaxies and stars into existence cares about you. The same God who spoke all of these things into existence cares about you. 
The God who breathed the universe into being knows your name. Not only that, but he died that you might live. He did all in his power, which is infinite, by the way, in order to set you free from the chains of sin and death. Oh, what a God we serve. Oh, what a God who loves us. This is why Paul can say in Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Because this creator God is who has our back. When you trust God, the worries of this world become much more dim. This is so encouraging to me. That no matter what happens in my life, no matter who gets elected, no matter what horrible thing that I see on the news tonight, none of it happens without my father knowing about it and planning a way to somehow, some way, minister his life and power through that thing that the enemy meant for bad and God to use it for good. When we know who our God is and his love for us, then we can truly accept and live out this invitation to be anxious for nothing. Anxious for nothing. So let's move on to verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now this word before is important here because it doesn't just mean appearing before. It means in front of. In front of. Again, this is the, the idea of premier. Premier. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. As Christians, we don't have to worry about anything randomly coming into our lives. Whatever happens, Jesus is still on the throne. He still rules. He still reigns. And he uses all things for good. Contrary to how many, specifically the news media, would want us to believe the world is not some runaway train that has flown off the tracks. Christ is working, even behind the scenes, to bring about good and justice and peace in this world. Paul says that Christ holds all things together, holds all things together. Again, Contrary to popular belief, the world isn't getting worse. Y'all got quiet on me now. It's actually getting better. And I choose to look at those things that are getting, getting better and give all the credit to Christ because he's the one holding things together. He's the one holding back the four winds. If you look at statistics from around the world since the 1700s to now, extreme poverty has fallen, hunger has gone down, child labor has declined, life expectancy has risen, child mortality is down, homicide rates have fallen, and many deadly diseases have been completely eradicated. 
on an even smaller timescale, just since the 1980s. The world's supply of nuclear weapons has rapidly reduced. The U.S. violent crime rate has gone down. Smoking has decreased. Basic education has improved. And more people have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior at this time than at any other time in Earth's history. I'm personally disheartened with how much I hear Christians talking about how horrible the world is when we should be talking about how amazing God is and all the work that he has accomplished and all the work that we have accomplished in the name of God. It's important to realize that Christians have been at the center of many of these earthly victories, these global victories. Christians have done more to heal the sick, feed the poor, and teach the illiterate than any other faith in the world. The Bible's call to live set apart is not just about your personal holiness. It's about advancing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. When you walk in the spirit of Christ, you elevate the world around you. Did you know that? The enemy wants us to drown ourselves in fear and anxiety and anger. He wants us to focus on and elevate the negative. He wants us to give him glory and honor by giving non-Christians the idea that we are some sort of doomsday cult that is obsessed with destruction. Yet the truth is that the world has improved immensely over time, and in Jesus's name, that should be viewed by us as Christians as a good thing. Yes, the end will eventually come, and stuff will get really bad, but focusing on the negative things isn't going to bring that about any sooner. How we view the world and talk about it to others is a witness that we'd all do well to remember. Paul continues, and he, Christ, is the head of the church, of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Again, the reminder here of the preeminence of Christ. And Paul, he, he spent some time in these past few verses talking about Christ's preeminence in, in sort of a, a, a massive, universal way, but now he brings it down a little closer to home. And he starts to talk about Christ's preeminence in the church. The church is the body of Christ, and his spirit is the head of the body, the head of the church. We know from biology that a body is of no good use without the head. We know that we need our brains and our minds in order to move around, to work, to interact, to love. And in the same way, the church is nothing without Christ as the head. Nothing without Christ as the head, leading and guiding it. Jesus said, Without me, you can do nothing. And I choose to believe that. Depend fully upon him. Verses 19 through 20. For in him, again, all these hymns here talking about Christ. For in Christ, 
all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is essentially the entire biblical narrative summed up in one sentence. Think about it. We, we have the, the creator God who created humanity. It was by him and for him that humanity was made, yet his own creation chose to rebel against him. Mankind was created in God's own image, yet that creation chose to cast him off. And God, he could have just destroyed humanity right there in the garden, right? He could have started over from scratch, yet because of his infinite love, chose to instead lay a plan from creation to redeem us, to win us back. Right there at the moment of the fall, he promised a redeemer. And then not too long later, he committed to a covenant that that redeemer would come. And all a covenant is, is a guaranteed promise. And he kept the covenant by dying on the cross. God loves us with a tenacious love that will not be denied. The plan from the beginning was for God to see his creation restored and to see his creation come home. And that's what Jesus accomplished at the cross and in the resurrection. And it's now our hope and our reality. Jesus came to, re to set the record straight as to what God was really like. Now, we can't move on without saying a bit about this opening statement. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Wow. There is so much to unpack here, y'all. <laughs> we could be here for hours. We won't. But I want to at least scratch the surface. At least give some, some curiosity to your minds here. Fullness. It comes from the Greek word pleroma. Pleroma. Which means an abundance, an overabundance, or at capacity, at capacity. Jesus is the entire package. He's the entire package. There is nothing that we could possibly add to Jesus. All we can do is accept. All we can do is receive. Remember now that Jesus was both our substitute, yes, but he was also our example in all things. He lived a life full of God within him, experienced by him, expressed through him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is our new reality in Christ. And it's all true because of love, because of love. This is the message that we need to receive and believe and share in his other prison letter. Paul wrote this to the Ephesians, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, 
that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's talking to you and I. When we come to know the love of Christ, then we can take the blinders off and accept the truth that we too have been filled with the very fullness of God. This is why Jesus in John's gospel said, whoever believes in me will show greater works than me. And I don't believe he was talking about greater works in quality, but I think that he meant in quantity because his life would be manifested through millions of believers, through millions of forgivers, through millions of lovers. Dear friends, do you know the love of God? Do you know the love of God? Do you believe the truth that you've been filled with the very fullness of God? It's my prayer that you'll accept that reality and reject the lies of the enemy. Walk it out in faith. Verses 21 and 22, and you who once were, is that, is that future, present, or past tense? Past tense, past tense. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Because of sin, we were once enemies of God. And this word reconcile, think about it this way. He restored the possibility of relationship with him. Jesus went on a conquest for you and for me. He conquered sin, he conquered death, and he conquered the principalities and powers of the enemy and made a public spectacle of them at the cross, winning the victory. And now that victory is ours. That's what the gospel teaches. That's what Paul was all about preaching. And this is why we have hope even in anxious moments, even when the world is going crazy, even when our life feels like it's been turned upside down. And remember from last week, biblical hope, it isn't some pipe dream. It isn't some wish that probably will never come true. It is confidence and security because biblical hope is rooted and grounded in what Christ has already accomplished. Jesus has made it so easy to come home. And his arms are just wide open, just waiting for the world. People need to know about this love. People need to know about this love because it's life-changing. It's not the feeling you get after you've watched a movie that made you feel good. And it lasts for a few minutes till the phone rings, till you see all the bills in the mail, till you forget about that friend who stabbed you in the back, that person you really should forgive, but you haven't yet. No, that, that's, the, 
the kind of warm and fuzzies that the world offers. But the love that Christ offers is all-consuming. It covers all things. Will you let it transform you? Will you let it renew your mind? Transplant your heart. And accept in faith that because of the love of Jesus, you've become a new creation. People need to know about this love. And the key for peace is to continue in this love. Wrapping it up, verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Continue in the faith, dear friends. Hold stable and steadfast to the truth of God's love, regardless of how you might feel in any given moment or what lies the enemy might float your way. Hold on to the hope, which again is confidence and security. The hope of the gospel truth that Jesus' death brought you forgiveness and that his resurrection brought you new life. Amen and amen. As we close, I'd like to offer you a practical way to apply something from today's sermon. So if you have your phones, go ahead and pull them out. Take a picture of this week's secret place practice. Have you spent more time thinking and talking about the bad in the world than the good that God is doing? How does gospel truth shine light on our current reality? Is there a way that you can be a better witness and bearer of good news by focusing on the preeminence of Christ? The accompanying text, Colossians 1.17 and he, Christ, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Before we have our closing prayer, I'm going to invite Mike to come forward. He's our elder in charge for today. And I will have the benediction, but then after that, you will all be dismissed. But if there's anybody here who has any specific needs, any, any special requests, Maybe a praise that, that it wasn't good enough to write it down. You got to vocalize it. Then we'll be here afterwards. We would love to listen and lift your petition, lift your praise up to the throne of grace. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious, heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for his preeminence. And Lord, it's, it's a reality now. The world was, was given to another. The enemy was the ruler of this place, but Jesus won it back at the cross and conquered the enemy. Lord, we believe that is true. And no matter what we might be feeling in a certain moment, no matter how it might look around us, that the reality is that Christ is king in this fallen world, and he's working to make it right. And ultimately, It'll have to be renewed by fire. But until then, Lord, there are people in this world, in this state, 
in this local community that need to know about your love for them and its transforming power. And so, Lord, we believe you've already equipped us with your spirit. You've given us every spiritual blessing from on high already. We need a stronger faith. And so, Lord, we are choosing from this point on to focus on your preeminence in this world and in our lives. And we look forward to what you are going to do in us and through us and in this community and in this world. We give it all to you and we pray it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen.